Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to Jewel Says. I'm Julie Jewels. So, just for laughs, Toronto starts this week. Abe and I have been going to JFL 42, which is what they used to call it, for years, probably since its inaugural year in 2013. Back then, I think you used to be able to buy a festival pass without one of the headliners. I I don't remember clearly, but even with a headliner, it is a great deal. Because every time you see one of the 42, which is the smaller non-headliner shows, sometimes lesser known comedians, you get the credit that you used for that show back so that you can book another one. I've always been a comedy fan, actually. I'm really a live performance fan. But comedy has always been one of my particular loves, and... We usually can't get to JFL in Montreal. One of the main reasons I love living in Toronto is the proximity to live performance opportunities. And I really, for comedy, love the smaller venues. Well, I like small venues for play. Yeah, I do like small venues. The comedy bar is right around the corner from us. We have seen well-known comedians work out new material there. And we've also seen some lesser-known comedians before they're famous. I've seen Andrew Johnston there a number of times. Baroness Von Sketch, I'm sure I saw them there years ago. I think it was them. Anyway, at the time, it wasn't a name that I recognized. Maria Bamford. After a two-year hiatus for the pandemic, JFL Toronto is back. I bought passes for Abe and me probably in March, before the JFL Toronto website was available. And when the site was finally available in June, I registered, logged in, and the site showed me a message saying that I have another pass and I need to transfer because you can't, each festival pass needs to be registered to an individual. You can't have two passes and book two credits for the same show. 
But anyway, when I clicked the link to Ticketmaster, the transfer option was grayed out. Fine. The festival doesn't start till September, so in June, I wasn't concerned about it. I wasn't in a rush. And I knew they had some issues with the website. So I periodically checked back to retry, but finally in August, I started thinking, okay, this is not right. So I started an online chat with the Ticketmaster agent to get it resolved. Now, I don't know what the issue is with these agents. Maybe they just hate their jobs. Maybe they aren't paid enough. Maybe they don't get enough training. I don't know. But it frustrates the shit out of me when customer service people don't read your message. They would actually save themselves a lot of time just by reading the message. I very specifically stated the issue. Transfer option is grayed out, unable to transfer. You know what the agent responded with? I see your tickets are available and valid, and proceeded to include instructions on how to download and scan them at the door. Yeah, that's for the headliner, not for the festival. So I responded, no, the transfer option is grayed out. I'm unable to transfer. In fact, the title of my concern was ticket transfer. So I was pretty specific about what the problem was. After a couple of back and forth, he responded telling me that perks and add-ons are not transferable. Okay, again, I explained, the transfer option on the ticket is grayed out. I knew if I could transfer the headliner ticket that the whole thing would flow through. Then he responds with, I checked and the transfer option is grayed out. Ha, yeah, that's what I've been saying all along. And then he said, this happens when the promoter doesn't allow the transfer. Okay, fine. Now we're finally getting somewhere. At least now I know JFL is responsible for the issue. So I contact them directly. On the website... There is no phone number, which is normally fine because I really don't like talking on the phone. And I certainly don't like sitting on the phone waiting because the service desk is experiencing higher than normal call volumes, which is a bullshit argument because these wait times are actually the norm. But anyway, they did have an email address, so I forwarded the Ticketmaster agent conversation with a screenshot of the ticket and the grayed out transfer button and asked them to resolve. I emailed again after a few days. I emailed again. Then I thought, hang on, businesses are more likely to respond if you post something on social media, something public. So on one of their JFL Instagram ads, I commented with my issue. If you buy a pass, don't be surprised if you're not able to transfer it. I knew darn well that I couldn't possibly be the only person with this issue. Now that got their attention. I got a response from them on Instagram asking for the email address I had used for my issue reporting, and they said they would look into it. I sent another email, another Instagram message, another Instagram comment, another email. Surely I was not the only one with this issue. And here was JFL ghosting me. They were ghosting me, a bona fide loyal comedy lover who has supported that festival from day one, whose daughter they haven't even invited to perform at their stupid festival, whose surrogate son Andrew Johnston is hardly ever invited to perform. They are pushing their luck. Finally, 
After three weeks of ghosting me, I got an email, which obviously was sent to everyone who was impacted, not just me, of course, apologizing for the long wait and silence on the transfer issue. The email went on with some excuses. There was an investigation and the process took longer than expected, blah, 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 blah. But for me, the most infuriating part of this whole thing was the ghosting, the silence. You know, I have always said being annoyed has more to do with the difference between reality and expectation than reality itself. If you expect something to happen and it happens, you're less annoyed than if your expectations haven't been met. Why were they silent? If they had just let me know when I sent the first email, or better yet, how about posting on your website that you're aware of an issue with some of the early purchase transfers, you're working on it, I would not have bothered them. I kept haranguing them because their silence, to me anyway, meant that they had no idea there was an issue, and I was becoming more concerned that Abe would not be able to reserve shows as the festival drew near. Of course, being the helpful person I am who actually wants this festival to function well and continue, I emailed them back with my recommendations on process improvement. Naturally, they haven't responded. I'm sure they haven't even read the email. Both of us could have saved a lot of time if they had just answered my question the first time. It's fixed now, but come on. And while I'm on a rant, are you a woman who's getting Twitter suggestions to follow hot young women? Because I am. Why? This also irritates the shit out of me. Not that I have anything against hot young women. I don't. But how the fuck is the algorithm coming up with the idea that I want to be somebody's daddy or see their tits? Is it because I follow my daughters and some of their friends who happen to also be hot young women? Although, they're not posting gratuitous provocative content, so I don't think that could be it. It's bad enough that I get inundated with ads for saggy skin, weight loss, clothing tailored for mature women, all kinds of fixes for various age-related illnesses, hormone problems, ugliness, from drugs to supplements to gadgets— all of this kind of makes me feel as though I'm being cyber-stalked, and I hate it. And I know I could use a VPN or go through steps to use incognito, which isn't 100% incognito, by the way. I mean, I could protect these things more, but you shouldn't have to. I hate this. I do block all the ads, but they just keep coming up with more and more and more of them. And I've started going in and muting the hot babe posts. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's not their fault that the algorithm thinks I'm a horny old man. But Jesus. <sighs> Speaking of horny old men, I was invited. Well, I wasn't really invited. I was just sort of after the fact invited in that the organizer asked a mutual friend to let me know about a birthday party in Sarnia. The birthday boy missed celebrating his 90th due to the pandemic, so he's over 90 and celebrating his 90th a bit late. Anyway, the celebration was last week. I couldn't be there, but certainly if I lived in Sarnia, I would have attended. The funny thing is, I had been thinking about this man. I don't know why 
he came into my head recently, but I had been thinking about him and wondering how he was doing, whether he was still alive. I mean, he is over 90. Fair question. These coincidences do sometimes make me actually wonder uh, about mysterious psychic connections, which I don't believe in, but then I probably just don't remember what triggered me to think of him. Anyway, back in 2003, I had a little bit of money after my dad passed away, enough to buy my Toyota Camry, used which at the time was by far the most expensive car I had ever owned in my life, and enough to take a shot at producing a show. The birthday boy had a fabulous role in this show, and he really was good in it, a millionaire named Osgood Fielding III, which is how Abe and I came to know him. Of course, thinking about him this week got me thinking about that show and how all of that went down. Why on earth would I want to produce a show when there were already groups in Sarnia producing musical shows? Well, the musical theater groups I worked with were geared toward children. True, they cast adults and older teens in adult roles, but their repertoire was limited to shows that were child-friendly with lots of roles for children and teens. The other main theater group with whom I had also worked, on stage and off, produced non-musical scripted plays. I think the spin-off group that produced Chicago the Musical, I think that may have been one of the first, if not the first, full-scale musical they did. I'm pretty sure it was the first. Oh, how I loved that show. There was another group for which I had auditioned when Joanne was first born. I I naively thought I would be able to balance rehearsals with looking after the little ones while on my 17-week mat leave. But anyway, I wasn't cast, which in hindsight was an absolute blessing, because there's no way I could have done it. It was one thing for me to pay a babysitter to go to work every day, Quite another altogether to undertake a very time-consuming, non-paying project. One thing I appreciated about this group was that they used to contact everyone who auditioned, even if they didn't get a role. Usually, you only hear back if you're offered a callback or if you're cast. But the guy who called me told me I was just too young for the role, which was hilarious to me because I was 26 And I almost didn't go to the audition at all because I was worried because I had just had a baby that I was too fat for the role. The show was Kiss Me Kate, and I think the main characters are supposed to be early 20s. But anyway, quite the opposite of television, where they cast hot 26-year-olds to play 45-year-old moms and wives to unattractive 50-year-old men. That group, I mean, that audition was... January 1987. But that group either folded or maybe they stopped doing shows as often as they used to. I'm not sure. So I figured maybe there was an appetite in Sarnia for an adult musical. I ran the idea by my dear, dear friend, Marianne Kennedy. Would she be willing to direct? What show would she like to do? We landed on Sugar, which is the musical version of the 1959 film, Some Like It Hot. 
It was a comedy starring Marilyn Monroe, Tony Curtis, and Jack Lemmon. At the time, I had no idea there was a musical version, but I really liked the film. So, sugar it was. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Of course, I had never produced a full-scale musical before, but I had done a lot of backstage work. And I had done lots of project work for my day job. So I figured, well, this is just a project like any other project. And I would just have to figure it out as I went. Plus, Marianne was a seasoned director. So I knew that I could rely on her for insight and help on anything that came up. First order of business was to get the rights to the show. Do you have any idea how expensive it is just to get the rights to one of these musical shows. This wasn't even a highly popular musical. You have to pay a certain amount up front, and then the final tally is based on the number of shows, the number of seats in the theater, plus you pay for the rights to the music separately. And you pay extra for every instrument in your orchestra, less if you just use piano. But of course we had to have an orchestra. I forget how much all that was, and I don't have those records anymore. It was back in the day before I had Gmail. All I remember is that the royalties were probably about half the entire budget. And of course, nothing was sent electronically. I received a box of printed scripts and a separate box of music. And when you were finished, you only had so long to keep the scripts and music, and if any were missing or damaged or late— you had to pay extra. It took me a bit of time to get all the material back from everyone, plus not realizing there would be a late fee. I didn't send it back immediately, so I ended up having to pay, I think, I'm pretty sure it was over 700 US dollars. And all that expense is before you've paid for theater rental, insurance, costumes, set materials, makeup, everything. Plus, it's customary to pay an honorarium to the director, the music director, choreographer, tech manager, and of course, you do have to pay the musicians. Marianne very generously waived her honorarium. The theater rental was also quite a large chunk of the expense. They charge rent by the day, of course, and you also need to pay rent for your tech rehearsal week, which is to be expected they have their overhead and they have to pay their theater manager to be on site when you're there. So if you run late, again, late fees. 
the Sarnia Theater has its own box office. There wasn't anything online, no Ticketmaster or anything. And of course, they take a fee for every ticket sale. I don't think they added it on. I think I forget how it worked. But they also took a small percentage for credit or debit card sales. And of course, you don't see any of that money until after the show wraps. So you need to have it up front. The theater group did very generously allow me to use their rehearsal space for a period of time at no cost. They weren't rehearsing for anything at that time, so it would have sat unused, which was a huge relief. When I was doing my budgeting, I could see that I had to have about a 70% average attendance just to break even. Seems high, but I thought it would be feasible because, you know... Sarnia audiences love musical theater. And it was the week of the tall ships visiting Sarnia, so I thought we might even get some tourist attendance. So yeah, filling the theater to 70% was a bit of a gamble, but not unheard of. Two years after Sugar, Chicago sold out six shows and had to add a show due to demand. They had to turn people away. But this wasn't Chicago. It was over 40 years after the 1959 film, and it didn't even have the same title. We needed posters designed and printed. The rights holder has very specific instructions on what you can and can't put on the poster. I would have liked to have referenced some like it hot on the poster, but I wasn't allowed. They're picky about font sizes, credits. Oh, so many details. I would never have considered We had t-shirts and tank tops made. It's customary for everyone involved with a show to buy a t-shirt or some kind of memento. And since I don't like wearing men's shirts, and I refuse to call them unisex because they're clearly designed for a SpongeBob-shaped physique, we had a tank top option. It was summer, after all. My Joanne did the shirt design. Now, I know perfectly well that everyone assumed since I was producing the show... I would cast myself in the lead role. But auditions were held fair and square. I had nothing to do with any of the choices, and I had to audition for the panel just like everyone else. I was able to talk Abe into auditioning, too. There's always a shortage of men for small-town community theater and an even greater shortage of handsome ones, so of course Abe won the Tony Curtis role of Joe slash Josephine. And he was fabulous. Abe didn't grow up singing and dancing. They weren't the kind of family who sang at the kitchen table. His mom didn't teach them to remember things by making up a song. So he had to work very hard on the music and choreography. If you don't know the plot, it's about two male musicians who disguise themselves as women and join an all-female band on the road to avoid getting killed by the mob. Of course, these two guys are not convincing at all as women, but everyone in the show just goes along with it. And the two guys, while valiantly trying to conceal their maleness and their lust, become very good friends with valiantly concealing their lust for the Marilyn Monroe character, Sugar. What? Sugar. What a stupid name. But yeah, her name was Sugar Cane with a K. If my name were Sugar, I would definitely change it. Joe, Abe, 
has to juggle his disguise as a millionaire so he can romance sugar with his disguise as Josephine to keep the ruse as her dear friend. Meanwhile, Osgood, a lecherous old millionaire, that was the birthday boy's role, is inappropriately, by today's standards anyway, probably not by 1959 standards, he's aggressively pursuing a relationship with Jerry's female persona, Daphne. Now, one of the beautiful things about live theater is the performance variations and the connection with your audience, how different audiences react differently to different scenes. But there was one scene where Abe undressed to switch disguises between Joe and Josephine during a song, and as soon as he took off his shirt, the audience reliably gasped. The first night it happened, we were like, what? What the hell was that? Yeah, they gasped. One of my friends said she was sitting beside a group of red hat ladies, which is a group that celebrates women having fun as they age. And one of them said, oh, yeah, when the shirt came off. He got a lot of positive attention. The show was cast, the department heads, band, rehearsal pianist were all ready to roll. We recruited volunteers to help with sets, props, costumes, lighting, stage management, stage crew, all that stuff. No sooner had we started moving along with rehearsals and set construction when some of the volunteers started grumbling about not being paid. It hadn't even occurred to me that they would expect to be paid. I've done lots of backstage work for all kinds of shows and never been paid. I was just following the standard that every other group did. We all had day jobs. This was a hobby for us. We had been very clear that these were volunteer roles. Now, I had always paid a small membership fee to volunteer in other groups' shows, but I wasn't even asking for a fee. We weren't formally a group. I mean, unless we were wildly successful, this was going to be a one-off project, an experiment, if you will. Their beef apparently boiled down to the idea that, that this was not a registered charity we had not committed to donating funds to a charity. It was a for-profit business, so they should be paid. They didn't like the idea that I might earn a profit from their unpaid work. Okay, fair enough. But even if it was a for-profit business, it's an opportunity to enjoy your hobby and the connections and friendships that come from that for free. Your time commitment is 100% optional. It's not like an internship. You get to do your hobby for free. Where else can you do that? Any other hobby I pursue requires that I pay. You are not a professional set builder. You live in a small town. No one is offering to pay you to build their sets. Don't get me wrong, I was very appreciative of any volunteer who signed on, even if they could only give us a couple of hours once. But I didn't understand why they were okay with volunteering for every other theater group, but not for this show. So, at the end of the day, we ended up losing a few. 
Then there were those who just didn't show up when they said they would, which, I mean, I guess you have to expect a certain amount of that. If I had to do it again, which I absolutely will not unless I win the lottery, I would offer a profit split. I have no problem keeping good records with evidence and sharing it if we make some money. The show went over really well, according to people who saw it. We got good reviews, they enjoyed it, but sadly, we were not even close to the 70% attendance required to break even. That show ended up costing me over $10,000. But on the bright side, I learned a lot, and at the end of the day, love wins over money. And I love showbiz. Thanks, Ted. But back to the birthday boy. I think it might have been a few months or a year, maybe, after the show. I don't recall exactly when. The birthday boy contacted Abe to ask him if he would, get this, be in a bachelor auction for some local charity. A bachelor auction. A fun, raucous gal's night out where eligible bachelors strut the stage and women bid on them for a date. I actually forget how this came to my attention. I suspect Abe casually mentioned it, but I vividly recall being pretty upset at the time. Abe and I weren't living together, and we certainly weren't, and still aren't, officially married. But in August of 2003, which is when Sugar hit the stage, we had been exclusively dating for over three years. And Birthday Boy was well aware of our relationship status. But the worst part for me was that Abe was considering the idea in his mind, it wasn't a real date. It was just a fun thing to do for charity. I was like, what? How would he like it if men were bidding on a fake date with me? Well, that's different. Men are more likely to be sexually aggressive with a woman, hashtag not all men, than the other way around. And anyway, a woman wouldn't have the strength to overpower him to do anything against his will. Wow. I mean... Not getting the date would kind of be like the highest bidder at an art auction not taking the painting home. If the woman doesn't expect to go on the date, she would likely just donate directly to the charity. I mean, does anyone expect to find a love connection through a bachelor auction? Probably not. Maybe to all those women it was just a laugh and completely fake but I doubt any married men were being auctioned off, so in the end, he decided not to do it. Well, of course he decided not to do it, or he would be on my ex-boyfriend list, living happily ever after with someone else. Maybe the woman who won the bid. We'll never know. <laughs> but after I cooled off, I sent a carefully worded email to Birthday Boy to let him know that I felt it was disrespectful of him to ask someone who he knew full well was in a long-term relationship to be in a bachelor auction. Maybe I shouldn't have bothered. Maybe I overstepped. I suppose all that mattered in the end was that Abe declined. But I think part of the reason I felt the need to say something was because... 
I genuinely liked this man so much. He is a very charismatic, personable, great guy. He apologized, of course, but he never did explain why he thought that would be a good idea. Maybe he thought I was being ridiculous by feeling the way I felt about it. I just don't think it occurred to him that I would be upset. Perhaps I didn't occur to him at all. Maybe a 73-year-old man in 2003 just figured, if you're not married, you're available. Who knows? I never got into it any more than that. But news of his birthday got me traveling down memory lane to the bachelor auction and that wonderful show that bombed. I hope he had a happy birthday. And I am truly sorry I wasn't able to wish him well in person. Thank you for listening. If you have anything you'd like to share or ask, email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. And if you're in Toronto, check out Just for Laughs. It runs till the end of September. Have a fabulous week. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.